All right. Welcome to the Scuttlebutt. I'm Rich Mellon, and I have a really neat guest tonight. He is all the way from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mel Stocking is the gentleman, and if you've ever been at any one of the rendezvous or, or any one of uh, um, the fur harvesters, that kind of stuff, and you hear somebody laughing a lot, and it's not me, it's Mel. <laughs> How are you doing, Thanks. big guy? Well, tell you what, this COVID-19 throw a little bit of a curve into things, but uh, we're functioning. Yeah. We're through it. Yeah. I'm sure you're in the same boat. Well, it sure shut down our uh, going out to uh, rendezvous and doing seminars and sports shows and all that. It, it killed all that. We haven't been able to do nothing now for, well, two springs. So it's been tough. Yep. Well, and Mary and I discussed this the other night where we missed the conventions, but most of all the people. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Like, yeah, you just can't communicate with as many people as you'd like to. Now, Sandy and I were hoping that we were going to get to the NTA this year, but doesn't look like the, the prime idiot is going to open the, the border for us. So, I mean, we're wide open here in Alberta now. Everything's full go, but we don't control the border. That's right. And I'm glad to hear things opened up in Alberta. I think they've done the same thing in Manitoba. Because uh, one of my sons is coming from Innisfail out to visit me. And that'd be great. Well, cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about trapping. How long have you been trapping, Mel? Well, I turned 70 here mm, middle of March. And I think I've been doing it since I was about nine years old. And I was lucky to be raised in Alberta on a farm where we had lots of lakes around. And uh, I think the first species I, I trapped was muskrats. Like there was always lots of muskrats. In fact, there was one lake close to home. It covered 155 acres, which is just about a quarter section. And at one time I counted over 190 muskrat push-ups on that lake. And it was just beautiful for muskrats. Lots of them. Whereabouts in Alberta are we talking? And 85 miles northwest of Edmonton, a little town called Barhead. Yes. That's where I went to school and graduated. And, but, you know, it was funny. Uh, my mom and dad homesteaded there in 1946. And dad had, uh, on the first quarter section of land, and dad had a land payment of $111 to make. So one day he happened to be in town and talked to old Tim Hoffman, a hardware store owner slash fur buyer, says, uh, what are muskrats selling for this year, Tim? Tim says, well, if they're good ones, I can give you a $4 average. So dad went home and borrowed five traps from a neighbor and went out and caught 30 muskrats. My mom skinned them and flushed them and boarded them. It was mom taught me how to skin, not my dad. And uh, took them in and gave them to Tim when they were dried. And Tim says, oh yeah, these are good ones. He gave them $4 average on 30 muskrats. Give him 120 bucks. Well, he went down and made his $111 land payment. 
and bought mom a nine dollar gift for doing the skinning. And we always said it was a sharper knife, but we didn't know that. <laughs> but he he paid for that first quarter section of land. He had three land payments of $111, which adds up to uh, 333. He only paid 287 for the quarter section, but the difference between the two numbers was the interest on the money. But he was able to pay for that first quarter section of land just trapping muskrats. I don't think you can do that today. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. That's pretty cool. I, 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 I think that's awesome. I mean, we're still getting a $4 average on muskrats. But <laughs> <laughs> well, tell you what, Richard, in, in my time, I've seen prices kind of peak and well, twice, but I've heard about it three times. And they were, they peaked in the 40s. And then again, in the late 70s, early 80s. And then again, in 2000 and uh, 10 to 13 in there somewhere. And fur prices were down and have been for the last few years, but they'll take another cycle. They'll come back up. I'm yeah, sure they will. I, I totally agree with you. I had this conversation with another guy and, and he, he was talking about how he'd uh, bought a truck when he was uh, 16. Back in the 60s, he bought a he bought a, a, a new Ford truck using beaver money that he for beaver that he caught and beaver worth 30 bucks you. back then. And and uh and people were saying, Well, you'd never do that again. Well, because beaver beaver's still worth the 30 bucks, it's just the vehicles aren't. You know, the vehicles oh. have, have skyrocketed so high, but the um and I and I think that the reason that the vehicles have got, got so expensive has got to do with the labor that's in it, you know, the the uh you know, when you go to, to take that $30 beaver and, and get it uh, tanned and all that, well, the labor's worth more than the, to get it tanned than, than the beaver is. You know, it's the, it's the labor that in everything that, that makes everything cost so much, it seems. Well, and with vehicles, too, it's the price of steel and what have you. And have you had to buy it? You, you mentioned earlier that I build form boards, which I do. Have you had to buy wood lately? Uh, I kind of, I, I had a little bit, I needed, I needed uh, three sheets of pressure treated for, uh, for some stuff out at the cabin. And uh, I think I paid three sheets of half inch pressure treated after my builder's discount were 72 bucks each. <laughs> I believe that. Like a guy walked out of Home Depot here in Winnipeg the other day with a sliver in his finger and he got charged by the Winnipeg police for you know, shoplifting wood. It was horrible. <laughs> well, I will tell you a true story. <laughs> Enough of your BS there, Mel. I'll tell <laughs> you a true story. <laughs> they have this bin outside of uh, the the Revy or uh, Rona, Rona uh, lumber store, right? And it's got like, uh, you know, four foot sleeper boards that they use in between uh, lift supply with that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're twisted warp stuff and it's just junk in there. Right. And it used to be, you know, that it was a buck, any piece that you wanted. Well, they had a mark through it and it was five bucks for any piece. <laughs> That's true. Well, the other day, I wanted to build a birdhouse and I had to mortgage the house to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I see it starting to go back oh. down again now, which, which is good. Cause that, that was crazy. There was, I there sure was, hope so. There was no reason for it. 
talking about your, your building your boards and that you make them out of basswood or cedar basswood okay. and there's a reason for that what's that and this goes back to lumber prices when i first started building form boards i was paying eighteen hundred dollars a thousand for basswood and that's imported from us from the united states yeah um in fact the last bunch i got was from reeseville indiana I'm now paying $2,520 a thousand for board feet for basswood. And I talked to the salesperson to buy it from, and I said, you know, I could use cedar, clear cedar. And he said, Mel, don't even think about it. Hey, Rich here. Sandy and I are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community, Trapping Inc. at Locals.com. We created the community to connect more closely with our fans, friends, and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies. Because this community is subscriber exclusive, there is no censored photos, shadow banning, and deplatforming as happens on Twitter and Facebook. Trolls are non-existent as not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all Trapping Inc. YouTube videos and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of library we must move. As well, we are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never before released to the internet hunting and fishing from around the world. Trappinginc.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all Trapping Inc. content from the past and into the future. What else is there to do? Well, there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and interact. You can message us directly on trappinginc.locals.com as well as interact with all the other subscribers. These are all people with common interests. Get in here. This whole venture is about taking the Trapping Inc. TV community to the next level, building a community of shared interest and interacting with all of our friends. Who knows where we can go from here? Just go to locals.com and sign up for a free account. Then search for Trapping Inc. and subscribe for $5 a month. That's it. Go to locals.com to open a free account and then subscribe for $5 a month to Trapping Inc. Help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible, ethical management of the wild resources. Trappinginc.locals.com. Now back to the show. He said cedar right now is $7,000 per thousand. $7 a board foot. Yeah. And I'm paying two fifty-two. So he yeah. said, don't even think about cedar. So I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do that math. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's, uh, but no, everything. Like I had to phone my, uh, my distributors and say, Hey, I got to raise the price of my form boards. That's all there is to it. I can't, I can't for a long time. I, I ate the difference of the, the lumber, but I can't do that anymore. No. No. I mean, I'm working for two an hour if I don't. So it's true, though. It's, it's it's unbelievable. I know that it absolutely just killed building around here, like for home building and that kind of stuff. Just gone. I was in talking with my guy at the at the lumberyard there that my my salesman and and said to him, you know, it's just you know what's happening. He says, well, he says people bring in plans. I give them a price. He says they walk out. He says nothing's happening. <laughs> exactly. Well, as soon as they get to put floor joists down, I mean, 
they can't afford it. Yeah. Plain and simple. And that's the same thing's happening here in Winnipeg. It's scary, Richard, how many older houses are selling though. Well, you see out here, our our housing market isn't isn't up at all. You know, like I mean, ours ours is still quite depressed. Um, I don't know. Just it just is. Everybody talks about the about the cost of housing and that. And I we don't see it here in Alberta. I can tell you that. You know, we we finally had a uh, like last month was the month of May was a good month for Calgary, but but they didn't didn't begin to make up for the losses that they've made since that have occurred since 2015. Just you know they, they were they were selling more like the volume was there, but the prices aren't up. So I don't see that the housing bubble here. I, I understand it it's happening elsewhere, but. Uh, so you started. Let's get back to your trapping. You started with with, with muskrat, and and uh, your uh, uh, dad's uh, dad actually started. You took up uh, for him afterwards, and 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 continue on with the trapping. Or oh no, he he was still trapping. And uh, the interesting thing, my mother died in two thousand and ten, and at her funeral, I asked my older brother and my younger brother. I'm the middle child, by the way. Um, if the, if they ever remembered my mom not having gray hair and they said, no, can't think of it. Well, in the springtime, when the ice was going out of the lakes, we used to take an old boat with two 49 GM car hoods welded together with a chunk of barbed wire across the middle to hold the sides in and sitting on five gallon pails, no life jackets. My older brother would shoot the muskrats. I was sitting in the back with a pair of vice grips uh, welded to a seat lamp and I do the skinning them and my kid brother would do the paddling. And when we finished going around one lake, we'd go to the next one and then the next one, the next one. When we left the house in the morning, mom never knew if we were gonna come home that night or not. She could have lost three boys that day and wouldn't have known a thing about it. We'd have drowned somewhere. But I mean, in this boat, there's a loaded gun and a sharp knife. And like I said, no life jackets, but oh, we had a, it was a heck of an experience, I'll tell you. You wouldn't dare turn kids loose nowadays doing that. But And we took it just for, for, for so much for granted. Like we talk about, Sandy and I were talking about, you know, when we got married, you know, 40 some years ago. And, you know, you'd go out moose hunting. And you go moose hunting for two weeks. You'd go to the bush for two weeks. Nobody had a phone. Nobody, nothing else. There was a mark on the calendar when you were coming home and you came home. You know? <laughs> That's right. Hey, tell me what we did before we had cell phones. If you told somebody you were going to be somewhere at three o'clock, you made damn good and sure you were there, weren't you? I'm absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of ways we've we've lost the art of uh, of responsibility because of cell phones you know you bet you we have hey, it's so easy just but, send a text oh i'm late i'm not going to make it or whatever right and, uh he, he's i i just i'm just amazed you know now if if you try and get a hold of somebody and you can't get a hold of them then, then you're you're concerned you're worried you know if they're driving to, to edmonton or whatever and and they don't check in when they say they're going to check in well today's you know communication is so instant right Exactly. By the way, this trapping, something else I tried trapping when I was young. There was a 
slew hole, for lack of better words, just north of where we lived on the old farm. And my dad said to me one day, you know, I see some weasel tracks down there. Why don't you go trapping weasels? I said, how do you do it? Well, he said, you take a 48 ounce juice can and you cut one end out of it and kind of make it oval and put a, a one and a half long spring in there and put some bacon on the pan. And he said, you should be able to catch a weasel. So I did. Went back the next day after school and guess what? Had a weasel. <laughs> well, bring this thing up, gonna skin it in the house. Do you know the scent glands on a weasel are very powerful? Oh yeah. <laughs> I lost my I lost my breakfast and my mom actually had to finish skinning the weasel for me. I couldn't do it. Just I'd lost everything. <laughs> really? <laughs> Weasel, yeah. weasel has, and now I can hit the central. Go ahead. I, 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 other than a mink, the weasel has the most powerful uh, scent glands of of all of the the uh, mustelids, you know. But you're saying now you can hit the, the scent glands. I can hit scent glands on a mink, and it doesn't even bother me. Yeah, I, like I, I cleaned uh, the fur graders out of North American fur auctions one day skinning a mink there because they couldn't stand the smell of it. They are, but, they are uh, strong, but I still, I still find a weasel is more offensive than a mink. They are fairly offensive. Yeah. I'm careful around them. I do probably 50 of them a, a winter. You know, we have lots of short tail <laughs> weasel here, you know, uh, I just, I just had like, I don't know how many of them just went, um, at the, the last fur harvesters I had, I, I think I sent in 188 weasels or something like that. And 40 of them or whatever went top, went top lot. <laughs> you know, I got to ask you, what do you do in your spare time? What's spare time? <laughs> I think you're trapped, not much. Like weasels, that's the last resort for me. Like I never bothered too much with them. You know, if they were there, I set a trap for them. If and I, but I didn't go out of my way for them. I'm not. I'm not either. But I'm not. I'm not going out of my way. But I mean, they 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 get into my Martin Martin and Fisher traps, and you know, it's the same thing with uh, with mink. I don't I don't target mink very often either. But you know, I get lots of them. They climb trees, and I had two skunks climb trees last year to get into my Martin into my Martin boxes. I I got a good lure. Let me tell you. <laughs> Are you make? Yeah, I do. I make my own lure, yeah, and it's just lots of skunk, uh, some anise, some some raspberry or apricot jam, and and uh, something to mix it in. Whether it's Vaseline or I'm gonna try something else, something new this year. Some uh, that stays like kind of like Crisco or something that 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 uh, stays semi liquid. Doesn't Vaseline has a bad habit of sealing over, you know? It, it kind of it'll get a skin on it and that'll stop the smell, but. Uh, I don't, I don't target them. And, uh, but all the same, you know, like squirrels went for a heck of a good price at the last auction, you know, Why top was that? yeah. Top lot went over four bucks. Exactly. Yeah. Shucks in my day, if I got $2 for a red squirrel, I was happy. Well, <clears throat> I haven't, I mean, I, I taken, I've been giving my squirrels to, to the, 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 uh, some guys that are teaching courses, right? So that the kids got something to skin, you know, and, and then they 
you know, they, they fire them off afterwards to, you know, if, if they survive the kids, kids skin in them, you know, <laughs> but, but once again, I mean, I don't even target squirrels. I, I had to clean up squirrels last year uh, around my cabin site, right? You know, squirrels are bad, bad things around, around log cabins and that. And uh, it was. Got a said, story for you here. Okay, go ahead. I said, I got a story for you here. This, I was a junior partner on a registered trap line in Alberta for a few years. And the one year my snow machine broke down. So I was pulling a sleigh walking everywhere I walked in front of me, behind me, in the trees, there's squirrels squawking and running by it with no trouble. I could have caught 2000 red squirrels with no trouble. So I phoned Mary who then worked for North American Fur Auctions in Winnipeg, says, hey, what's squirrels selling for? And she said, don't waste your time. There'll be about 53 cents a piece and you don't bother with them. I said, okay. But same as you, I had a squirrel midden close to my cabin and I wanted to get rid of them. I, don't, I didn't need squirrels in my cabin. So I set a running pole with snare wire on it which is a beautiful thing. Thanks. You Albertans there that live there now are, are so lucky that way. See in Manitoba, we have to trap everything. You have to use a, use a physical trap to catch a squirrel. Really? Can't use snare wire. Really? And pain what's, in the yin yang, I'll tell you. What's the reason for that? What's that? Why can't you use I a snare? I don't know. Can't use snares for coyotes either. It's got to be a ram power snare. Okay, Just but it's still a snare and it's still, still deadly. But I mean, a squirrel, a little, you know, a, a, a two-inch, you know, number 26-gauge 20, brass wire. I mean, what else would it catch other than a squirrel? Like, usually when they... A when rabbit. They, not up in a tree. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Okay. I used to use stainless steel wire, but anyway, so I caught 16 squirrels right next to the cabin and I put them on the next, I skinned them up and put them on the next auction. I got $2.18 a piece for them. Now do the math. If I had caught 2,000 squirrels that year, I could have been driving a new truck. Yeah, well, <laughs> just... Justin Wasisu talks about his his uh, mom, uh, his grandma and grand and granddad, and that the one winter there they got over three thousand squirrels, and they I, they average no, maybe more squirrels than that, and I think they average three over three bucks for them. But anyway, they bought a new pickup and a new furniture for the living room with, with squirrels. <laughs> right on. <laughs> but you know, you mentioned that too there. There was an old guy lived out there in Alberta. His name was Harry Rylersdown. And I learned a lot from Harry because he worked at the Westlock store. You know, okay. just volunteered his time, I think, more than anything. But anyway, uh, he, he's telling me one day he used to catch between two and 3,000 red squirrels a, a year. So I told him, I said, you know, Harry, I got the number for the mental institution and I'm sure they have a spare room for you. <laughs> he said, why would I need that? <laughs> he said, those red squirrels pay for the gas and my truck, my snow machine and my chainsaw. He said, 
That's why I trap them. And it makes sense. Yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 I always, I mean, I've always taken care of everything I caught and I don't target squirrels. And, but you know, you, you, they end up once again, they get, they get into your Martin boxes and all that kind of stuff too. So you end up with a bunch of them. And it was, I was kind of really, really happy when I, when somebody asked me to, to donate something to skin. Right. So I, I I could donate them to these red squirrels for these kids to learn how to skin and that, but you know, they, they were, they, they hit a high of over four bucks at the last auction. That that's, that's pretty stout for a squirrel. Let me tell you. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what though? I find that a red squirrel has the hardest tail to pull of anything. Thank you. I have to agree with you on that one. Like, I'll uh, let your thumbnail grow really. I, 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 I have no trouble doing a weasel. Just use my fingers. Um, you know, uh, when I move up to the, to the, uh, the Martin or anything else, I, I use a pulling tool. That damn squirrel is right in the middle, and, and just about invariably, uh, I can rip the tail off, or or the 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 last third of it, or whatever, pulls right through the middle of it. You know, <laughs> there's nothing that seems to be harder to do than a squirrel on a red tail, and I don't know why. It's, it's stupid. Hey, <laughs> what, Richard? <clears throat> Someday you have to go somewhere where they're grading red squirrels, and. Uh, there's no value to the tail on a red squirrel. They, they're all, they're laying on the floor. They're all over the place around that fur grader. Really? And that's, yeah. To, if the tail falls off, the fur grader doesn't knock that fur down or push it up or anything. By the way, I must tell you this. You're lucky you live in Northern Alberta. The best red squirrels come from northern BC and northern Alberta. Is that a fact? There's a special category they have for them, or a section, I mean, for Alberta and BC, northern Alberta and BC squirrels. I wasn't aware of that. They're, uh, they're way bigger than our Manitoba squirrels. In fact, when I moved from Alberta down here, I had to cut about a quarter an eighth to a quarter of an inch off all my squirrel boards so the squirrels would fit no kidding but you know this was maybe one of the nicest things that could ever happen to me or best things that ever happened to me was working for north american fur auctions here in winnipeg because I got to stand side by side with the fur graders and ask them, like, what are you looking for? And because uh, a lot of trappers don't know what a fur grader is really looking for. That's why that DVD that I built or made seven years ago, uh, like a lot of trappers like yourself, you know how to skin an animal and you know how to scrape the fat off or flesh it. But when it comes time to putting them on the board, you're losing money. And a lot of trappers are that way. So what's the, what's the on name that of the DVD I show? What's the name of the DVD? It's just called Fur Positioning. I thought I'd give you one. Fur Positioning? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Okay. How would people, how would people, do you have, still, still have some for sale? 
Oh, you betcha. How would they get a hold of you to get, uh, do you have a, a, a phone number or an email or something that, that you'd like? <clears throat> One of the best ways is probably just phone fur harvesters in Winnipeg. They fur have harvest- a supply of them. Okay. Fur harvesters in Winnipeg. We'll, we'll and the proof's the- in the pudding, Richard. Uh, I like the price of coyotes has been fairly good. And I do custom skinning for trappers down here in Manitoba. And one of the guys, I did two coyotes for him. And I said, he brought me seven coyotes to do. And I said, those two, when you get your results back, I'm, you know, I'll phone you and find out what you made on them. And uh, he says, how will I know which two? I said, oh, you will know them. They're the best two coyotes that I've ever skinned in my life. And sure, the price of coyotes are up, but these are dirty old Manitoba bush dogs. I mean, they're they're not pretty like the nice Alberta Southern Silkies or anything like that. He got two hundred and thirteen dollars average a piece. Wow! For those coyotes. Wow. Yeah, he was he was a happy camper. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but well, there's a little trick. There's a little trick to it. What's when that? You put a coyote on the board. Well, it's on that DVD that I show guys. Okay. I can I can get you an extra ten to fifteen dollars on a coyote just by the way you put it on the board. No kidding. In That's fact, no. if you remember, I don't know how good your memory is, Richard, but back a few years. Uh, I asked you one time why when you catch an otter, you rub your hand over it because that'll singe your fur. And I think your comment was it's the heat that singes the fur, not anything. Well, the minute you rub your hand on it, that's drying it off. What happens when you dry something off? You put heat on it, right? That's what singes the fur. But they they spend all day running around sliding on their belly, man. They, on their belly, yeah, not in their back. So, yeah, and that's know. where the first graded. Yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think I know that when I've dealt with the animals in the taxidermy and that, 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 that when they're singed, it was from sun. It wasn't from, wasn't from, you know, you'd, you'd, when you think about, you'd have to damage that leather if you, if, if, if you're, you're getting it hot enough to singe the fur. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, possibly. Yeah, but I've seen it where guys will throw an otter in a, a fur bag and throw in the back of their truck to bring them home. And as they're driving down the road, the, that fur bag's flapping up and down on that otter's back. And when they get home, the otter is already singed. I know that I know that I take a lot of care because my animals are always usually frozen solid. So I take a lot of care and a lot of padding when I'm hauling them. Like they might make a a 200 kilometer trip that day with me on the snowmobile, depending on when I pick them up. So I always, they're always padded or they, or they bury them in snow in the, in the, uh, uh, in the toboggan. And I just so that they don't rub against one another, those frozen animals will do damage. Oh my goodness. And then oh, nothing, you makes, you, nothing makes you madder than to, than to have broken hair or whatever, you know, be, because they rubbed against one another. Right. Well, that's the same thing with setting a trap. A lot of guys will set a trap and they put that trigger and dog on the top hanging down. 
on a conibear trap. Yeah. Well, when that trap fires, guess where that trigger that dog hits? Right on the back, right where the fur grader is going to look. Right. And I've told guys, never put your dog or your trigger on the top. Always put it on the bottom facing up. And then if there's a clip on the fur, it's on the belly. And it, it, nobody cares about that. So, yeah. no, and that's in that DVD too. A lot of the facts about the proper way to set a corner bear. And I've had guys argue with me and, but the proof's in the pudding. <laughs> when the fur grader looks at him and says, well, there's a cliff here in the back. And they bring it to me and say, what do you think caused that? Well, you can tell it's a trap mark. The dog or the trigger has made it. Well, that's what caused the clip. I used to see it all the time. So, some, of, some brands would be worse than others, depending on, on how their dog and, and trigger are made. You know, some some brands are are very flat and and you know wouldn't wouldn't make wouldn't cause damage, but some of them uh you know are are big like even the the the, the particular the Conibear brand you're talking about has that great big giant um, chunk of iron there for for the dog and and I mean uh, it doesn't have a flat side on it or anything right whereas the LDL right. and the and the and the uh, uh, the Belial, you know, they're all they're flat on, the, on when they flip open, and that it's just flat that hits, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a um, something that can do damage, right? You know, it's it makes a big difference on the brands too. Yeah, true story, true story. So you guys have to trap everything in uh, Manitoba, like it it has to be. They're, they're, you can't use snares other than than the power ramps. That's right. So what like, about they, what about links then? Gotta be a ram power snare or a trap. Really? Huh. <clears throat> That's why I say you guys in Alberta, you you're lucky. See, even in Saskatchewan. They're allowed snares, and this is the same in Manitoba now too. I, I better verify this. In the registered trap lines, you can use uh, snares, free hanging snares. But in a residential, what you call residential trapping in Alberta, in, in Manitoba is called open area trapping. You have to use a ram power snare. Hey folks, Rich from Trapping Inc. TV here. And we all have our idea of the perfect morning. You know what I'm talking about. For me, the perfect morning starts with the aroma and flavor of freshly brewed Old Smokes coffee. Studies have shown that just the smell of fresh coffee can boost brain activity. No kidding. Well, that's certainly no secret to me. I can barely talk before that first cup. <laughs> just ask Sandy. I'm a dark roast man, and Old Smokes coffee's darkest roast, stout maple, is what gets my day in gear. Extra dark, it's strong, aromatic, and smooth. Gets me revved up for whatever that day throws at me. Old Smokes roast their coffee over wood fires, the old-fashioned way. Wood roasting takes more time, much longer than modern hot air roasting. Slow roasting over wood takes the bitter out of the bean and imparts a heavenly taste and aroma from the wood smoke. Old Smokes makes a roast perfect for each person. There are five roasts, from light to extra dark, each roasted over a different wood for a unique flavor. Did you know 
The darker the roast, the lower the caffeine content? It's true. Caffeine is a volatile oil that evaporates with roasting. The lightest roast has the most caffeine, and the darkest roasts have the most flavor. Right now, you can order from their online store and use our promo code RICH, that's R-I-C-H, and get 10% off your entire order. Pretty simple. Just go to www.olsmokescoffee.com, that's O-L-E, smokescoffee.com, and use the promo code RICH. That is promo code RICH for 10% off your entire order. And now let's get to today's show. Yeah, okay. And they're deadly, I'll tell you what. Have you ever... Have you ever had the opportunity to work with them? Uh, I've killed a thousand coyotes with them, something like that. See, I'm actually scared of a ram power snare. I've seen guys get hit with those and break jaws and ribs and everything else. You know, but like, what's really neat really is when you're setting it up, if it lets go there, yeah, you can get hurt. But if you take and, and take and uh, put a stick in it and pull it out until it actually fires. It, it's slow motion. They, it, that 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 ram doesn't come out and hit you or anything because it's it, it, you're you're already stretched out, right? It, it it's amazing how it works. But because everybody always thinks that when that coyote sets it off, that that uh, you know that that just slams out there and hits him. Well, it doesn't because he already he's already pulled it to the end of the uh, of the toggle and then and then he's pulled it until until it compressed enough to release. Well, it, it's actually pretty slow motion that, at that point. But when you're setting it, yeah, you can sure lose your teeth in a hurry there. Why <laughs> can you ever? Like, I've seen, well, our old friend out there in Alberta, Gordy Clausen, I talked to him about it. I think a Ram Power Snare knocked him out for 22 minutes one time. Could be, could be. And it's just, yeah, he was, he went to back to tweak it, you know, just to, Twist the snare a little bit, just to, and he should never have done it. Yeah, yeah. I had, I guess, I, I've never had. Were you two- in just Norway? I'm sorry. Were you and Sandy just in Norway? Sandy was a few years ago. She took her mom uh, oh. to to Norway. Oh, cheapers! Now it would be four or five years ago, something like that. Oh, she threw something on Facebook, and I happened yeah. to see it uh, from Norway. I thought you were there. No, I had I d- been there. No, I didn't go. She she did. She took her mom because that's where her mom's from, right? So it was it was pretty special great. for her mom. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, tell me your uh, what's your favorite animal to trap? What's your favorite animal to trap, and what's your favorite way to to trap it? Well. I got to be honest with you, Richard. You don't have them up there where you live, I don't think. Uh, well, there's I have two favorites, raccoons and muskrats, because they think about their stomach first, <laughs> and they're so easy to trap. In fact, on this hat that I'm wearing, there's two pins here. I don't know if you can see them yep. or not. Yep. They say North uh, NAFA. 5XL Select, which stands for a five extra large raccoon, which is Select, which we you know is the best of the best. Exactly. Five extra large is 38 inches from the tip of the nose to the base of the tail. 38 inches. 
what, 38 what, inches. Yeah. What does something like that weigh, Mel? Well, 35, 40 pounds. <laughs> like I've heard about raccoons weighing up as high as 74 pounds, but the, those are rare. But uh, no, when I caught that, I, a call come in to North American fur auctions and uh, Mary answered the phone and the guy says, is anybody there know how to trap raccoons? She said, well, Mel should be able to. So she gave him my phone number and he phoned me up and I went out. It's on the Northeast corner of Winnipeg here. And uh, the guy says, I got a raccoon in my attic. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with raccoons at all. They're mean little creatures or they can be. And uh, I wasn't gonna crawl in this attic. He had a different style. It's only about two and a half feet high. And I wasn't about to crawl in there with a live raccoon. So I just set a trap on his garage. I said, John, when, when you see a raccoon in that trap, give me a call. So he did next day. I went out there and like I said, I never skinned a raccoon till 2006 when I moved down here. But I learned from three of the best. There's Leon Winchittle from Minnesota and Greg Schrader out of Wisconsin and a fellow by the name of Larry Friesen, and he lives at Rose Isle now. He used to live just south of Morden, Manitoba, or, or by Morden. Winkler, I guess, is where it was. Anyway, I learned from these three guys the proper way to skin a raccoon, so I did it. Skinned him up, and the next summer I was in the, the building, North American's building there. I don't know, seeing Mary or, or picking up my skinning stuff to do something, Dave Buick walks out and he hands me this first pin. He says, you better be proud of that pin. And I said, why? He said, there's only six pins handed out in all of Canada, four in Manitoba and two in Saskatchewan. So I asked him what for? He said, that was for that big raccoon you put on the sale last February. So that same winter, well, it was a couple of years went by and I get another phone call from this guy and he says, I got another raccoon in my attic. So I went out and I trapped it put it up the way you're supposed to, put it on the sale. The next summer, Dave Buick gives me the second pin. He <laughs> says, you better be damn proud of that pin. He said, only six pins handed out in all of Canada, Mel. And he said, four in Manitoba, two in Ontario. He said, you are the only guy in Canada with two pins. And now they don't make them anymore because, well, North Americans gone under. And now there's such a thing as a six XL. 41 inches from the tip of the nose to the base of the tail. Wow. That's wow. a big goon. Yeah. Wow, that is Don't huge. meet him in the dark. He'll, he'll take you down. <laughs> I went uh, I went raccoon trapping last fall, or no, back in uh, March of, of this year with uh, Ryan Demchinski over in Saskatchewan. It was the first time I had anything to do with raccoons. I've never caught one. I'd never touched one. Uh, nothing else. I tell you what I was surprised at is why isn't their fur worth more money? It seems to be such nice fur. And it was that those, these were just coming out of their denning uh, after denning all winter. And the fur on them was so thick. It was non-directional. You know, you usually with fur, you can pet it one way and it stands up you pet it the other way it lays down. Well, them it was just, it was, it was so thick. It was non-directional. And uh, I thought they were cool. I thought, I thought they were awesome. You know, I'm sure glad you brought that up. 
because did you know something about raccoons that they have more hairs per square inch than any other fur bearer? Well, than most, there's there's a couple that have more than them. The chinchilla has more, and so does the uh, okay, the sea otter. I'm sorry, I I better rephrase that. Uh, wild fur animals, raccoons have more fur on per square inch than any other wild fur animal. Chinchillas aren't wild fur; those are ranch raised. Yeah, yeah. The sea, sea otters, otters, I don't know. I can't say that. Yeah, the the sea otter has has as as much as a million. Uh, a million hair follicles uh, uh, per square inch, or whatever, and I don't know. Like the, uh, I think the river otter is is around seventy or something like that. Chichilla is at six hundred thousand. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Damn, you I, get your homework. I've talked to a lot of people, Mel, <laughs> <laughs> and I talked to a, I talked to a fellow, uh, Mike Matney, who, who from. Uh, uh, Alaska, and he uh, has a little fur shop, and and he sells stuff made from sea otter. And he was the one that gave me these numbers, and he can't touch them until they've been altered. So the native people uh, hunt them, and they could they could hunt fifty thousand of them a year. They have they're they're so overpopulated. People have no idea how successful that we've been in in um, rehabilitating the the sea otter population they're a problem now they're actually running low on clams and that kind of stuff because of this that's what the sea otter eats but here's something that is cool mel a sea otter is born in the water and never leaves the water in the ocean and it is prime the year round you're kidding me absolutely truth is it is it because of the cold water the water never change, changes no more than two or three degrees temperature the whole year. That's why then. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, because they're in the water, they don't trap them. They, they don't, the only thing they can do is hunt them. They shoot them. Wow. Isn't that cool? It now, is. It is. He tells me that a big, a big sea otter will run 70 to 90 pounds. <laughs> okay. Is that huge? Like my that river otters, big. I I get river otters that that hit thirty pounds. My biggest has ever been ever was thirty four pounds, and those are gigantic in the in the world of otters. But the you betcha they are. Sea otters are something else. <laughs> so what what's your favorite set then for raccoon? Oh well, see raccoons there now. You can't use a leg hole trap on a raccoon. That's illegal. You have to use a corner bear or a dog proof trap, they call them. Yeah, that's I'm that's sure also a foothold, too. Dog proof is it a is. foothold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, not like, although if you get a, when you put raccoon on the board, you got to put them fur in, leather out. Yep. And if there's a trap mark across that, that pelt, that's automatically goes to a damaged because of that trap mark. So and yet on a, on a raccoon, you can have three holes on the belly, the size of a dime and you won't get downgraded for it. Okay. It, okay. It's grading on raccoons is funny. I don't know. Well, what I thought was neat when we did the raccoon uh, show 
we got 56 raccoon in two days, two checks. And uh, the color range was astounding. Like they were from yellow. Like if you can imagine taking what you thought was a normal colored raccoon and dipping it in yellow Easter egg dye. That's yep. that was the one end of it was this yellow yes. and black thing. And, and the other end of it was like, was like a silver gray panda bear. It was just, just gorgeous and everything in between. It was, I, I was just astounded. Like, uh, I, I have no idea why raccoon isn't worth a lot more as a fur. I'm, I'm told one of the reasons is, is because of the weight, because it's heavy. That's, have you ever seen a raccoon hat or a raccoon coat? No, no. You've got to be a big man to be wearing them. <laughs> I, I put on an actual uh, buffalo, about like a bison coat once. Like the, yeah. the winter, but you had to be bigger, bigger man than I was to wear that all day. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my little uncle was an Evidence City policeman for a bunch of years. And in the wintertime, that's before patrol cars, they used to walk the beats. And he had a buffalo coat that he wore. Well, it's a good thing he was well over 200 pounds because you had to be that big to be wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you up, you up run somebody some kid that stole something he said try to run him down on a street wearing that 200 pound buffalo coat i can imagine because i i know the day i put that on i was six i was six foot one and at the end of the day i was five eleven so <laughs> i shortened up my legs <laughs> uh, so what was what, tell, tell me your tell me your best catch your best catch story or when things went sideways, you know, one of those days where it's like, like we couldn't have done anything worse if we planned it, you know? <laughs> well, this is when I was still a junior partner on that registered trap line. And Mary come out to Alberta to visit me. So what the heck, take her to the trap line, right? I mean, she's accustomed to, she worked for North American Fur Auctions and so get up there and here, I got a lynx cubby with a 330 conibear. What's in it? But a marten. And I go to check a coyote or a wolf snare. And a, no, pardon me, that was a coyote snare I had set there. What's in it? But a fisher. And I'd set a box for to catch weasels. What's in it? But a red squirrel. She looked at me serious and said, Do you ever catch what you want to, what you target? You know? I said, it doesn't really matter as long as you caught something. <laughs> Isn't that the way? You know what? I mean, <clears throat> my wife always teases me that that I'm like a kid at Christmas Day every check. And and every every single trap that you go to walk into or whatever, that's Christmas again over and over and over. You know, some days that's 300 times by the time you're you're, you're done checking all your snares and and all your sets and all that. And I guess as long as, as you have that spirit, you know, you're never going to quit. Right. I mean, that, that, that kind of enthusiasm right. for life goes a long ways to keeping you young. <laughs> this is one thing that I was told a long time ago by a, an old trapper. And he said, it, when you walk up to a trap and you can see there's an animal in it. And if you don't get excited, he said, time for you to quit trapping. Yeah. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, true enough. And that's the way I've always done it. But I don't do, I don't trap anymore, Richard. No time. No time? What, you, you, what do you do? I do custom skinning now. Well, I do custom skinning now in the wintertime. And uh, like last year, I think I did 70 coyotes for guys. And I don't know how many beaver, but, uh, and then building form boards. That takes up a lot of my time. Hey, Rich here. Sandy and I are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community, Trapping Inc. at Locals.com. We created the community to connect more closely with our fans, friends, and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies. Because this community is subscriber exclusive, there is no censored photos, shadow banning, and deplatforming as happens on Twitter and Facebook. Trolls are non-existent, as not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all Trapping Inc. YouTube videos and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of library we must move. As well, we are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never-before-released to the internet hunting and fishing from around the world. Trappinginc.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all Trapping Inc. content from the past and into the future. What else is there to do? Well, there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and interact. You can message us directly on trappinginc.locals.com as well as interact with all the other subscribers. These are all people with common interests. Get in here. This whole venture is about taking the Trapping Inc. TV community to the next level, building a community of shared interest and interacting with all of our friends. Who knows where we can go from here? Just go to locals.com and sign up for a free account. Then search for Trapping Inc. and subscribe for $5 a month. That's it. Go to locals.com to open a free account and then subscribe for $5 a month to Trapping Inc. Help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible, ethical management of the wild resources. Trappinginc.locals.com. Now back to the show. So I don't have time to go checking traps. How, how many boards would you build in a year? Oh, boy. Depends on the year. Like last year, I think well over 300 coyote boards. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Like, Do you... I don't know. Exactly. I've never kept, I've never kept track. Have you seen the coyote boards where they where where they start really narrow and they, they tape taper in and then come back out again? Steve Repka from uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, designed those. By the way, some sad news: Steve died yesterday. I heard that, you know. But uh, yeah, he had cancer and he was in a bad car accident. But oh, he could skin an animal. He was one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was the one who designed those boards. Okay. And the advantage of them is? A lot of guys say that uh, the neck on a coyote isn't as big as people think. And that allows the neck, you can get a longer coyote if you can slide that neck down over that skinny area that you were talking about. I won't disagree with that. I won't disagree with that because I know I know that especially on my females, you know, you get that that 25, 28 pound female uh coyote, she's she can get pretty tight around the around the neck for sure. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. When I lived in Alberta, I 
one year I caught 72 coyotes. I weighed every one. And you know what my average weight was on 72 coyotes? 28 pounds. Yeah. I was, that was an average. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, your males, your males will, will go from 28 to, to 32 and, and your females will go from 24 to, to 28 kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. People, people. Always... I told a friend... What's that? People always talk part. about, about how much the coyote weighs and they weighed 40 or 50 pounds. I I've caught my biggest coyote ever weighed 42 pounds and I caught him on a, off a wolf bait out in the, out in the big bush. And I mean, he had to be half, half wolf to survive out there, but you know, he's not worth as much cause he's, he's pretty coarse and he's dark and, and, and everything else. Right. I'll take a, a 25 pound female coyote every day of the week, you know, cause she'll be worth money, you know? <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should. Uh, the Alberta Convention at Teepee Creek. Yes. Well, that that was that, that was practically my backyard. That was that was the last one that happened too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yep. Anyway, I had a beautiful job handed to me by Gary Goberson out there to uh, check. The coyotes after their skin and the beaver after their skin in a, in a speed skinning competition to see how many extra holes, leg holes they had in them. Yeah. <laughs> so before the competition, I went and kicked and lifted a few of the coyotes that were there. And I said, Gary came to me. He says, what are you doing? I said, whoever gets that coyote right there is going to win this competition. <laughs> and that was the year that... Uh, What's that young fellow's name? Oh, heck, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Justin Wasisu's buddy. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett, uh, yep. His, he skinned his coyote in a minute and 33 seconds, and Justin did it in a minute and 40 seconds. Yeah. But I said, whoever gets that coyote's going to win it, and guess which one Garrett got. Exactly. <laughs> one. But like you said, it was a young female and yeah, it was probably, uh, well, you could have just looked at the hide and it would have fell off. It's funny. I how, like them kind too. But. It's funny how some animals are like, you know, you'll, you'll get a, a female coyote and you, you could pull her by hand and everything else. You get an old dog fisher and you'll have them up on the rack and, and you'd be using the winch. You know what I mean? They, 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 I think, are probably the hardest to separate from their the hide from the, especially the neck on that on a big old dog fisher. I caught my biggest fisher ever last winter. Weight went sixteen pounds, sixteen wow. pounds, dead flat even, like not not fifteen pounds and, and fifteen ounces or, but sixteen pounds and and, uh, you know, I knew it was big when I mean because he just totally filled a one sixty, and I. But when to, to skin him, what a miserable thing to skin. And his hide was, you know, like <laughs> I could club you to death with the, with the hide on it. I mean, I took him and did did the usual, you know, work down and everything, but you can't make it rattle or everything because that hide is so thick on that. I'll get like 30 bucks for it if I'm lucky, you know. <laughs> it's like do a six board. Yeah. By the way, do you catch many wolverines? Not where I am, no. No. That's... Because doing this custom skinning last winter, I got to do three wolverines for a guy. 
And I'll tell you what, my price on Wolverines just went up. <laughs> because if you think an old dog fisher is hard to do, you start fleshing on a Wolverine. And if you can get it done in under four hours, you're a better person than I am. The feet, the feet are what is what what's a bunch of work on the Wolverine, you know, to to to, to turn those. No, feet. just 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 fleshing them, Richard, is a pain in the yin yang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're horrible. I I I know that otter is is a pain in the yin yang, especially that tail, and and right. the, wor the worst part is, is is that if you have a boo boo, if you if you make a slip or whatever. Your sins are out there for God and everybody to see because you put it up there to hide out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've done a few of them in my time, too. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I got an offer in the shop right now that I've done for a guy. It's been here for quite a while, but he he uh, accidentally caught it in beaver trapping season this spring. Yeah. Yeah, well, I... I'm sure you like that don't you what's that you get a few like that don't you accidental otter catches and beaver traps well see my my otter and beaver go to the go to the same time they go to may 15th every year uh they don't start at the same time like beaver starts the first of october and then and then otter starts the first of december but i usually target the my otter like december january february maybe maybe march uh occasionally like once or twice, you know, I'll, I'll be setting under um, entrance holes into the lodge and that on beaver and under, mm -hmm. under the ice. And I'll, I'll catch otter doing that occasionally. Okay. Uh, sometimes on, on crossovers, but when I'm setting a crossover in, in, in the December and January, I'm, I'm doing it on purpose for otter. I'm not looking for, for beaver and like that. Uh, I do know a lot of people that catch a lot of in the fall, they'll catch otter in the fall because you know, they're setting those crossovers and that for beaver and, and they end up getting the otter. But uh, there's some things that confuse you. Like, I mean, one thing that does happen a lot of, you know, is otter and mink always travel together in any place that you're going to set and catch, catch otter. You can, you can just usually catch a mink yet mink season here ends the end of January and otter goes to, to uh, the 15th of May. And, you know, mink starts, the first of November, yet uh, when you start trapping uh, rats in, in October, well, what do you catch when you're rat trapping? Is mink, you know? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, I got I got some first, uh, some top lot mink too in the last sale. It was 10.50 or something or 10, $10.50 or $10.70 US each. But yeah, they're, they're not, they're not something I target, but they're, they're determined little critter, those things. <laughs> by the way you brought that one up about catching when you're trapping muskrats whoa you you, you turned your camera off <laughs> something happened here richard hang on let's let's see uh don't don't touch nothing um let me there you go you're back on back on thank you uh <laughs> Back when I was a kid trapping muskrats. And I was getting, if I got a buck 84 for a muskrat, I was happy. That was in the 60s. So setting these traps, one day I went out and there's this funny looking creature in this muskrat trap. 
And I pulled it up and lo and behold, it's a mink. And okay, I'm 10 or 12 years old. I didn't have a clue how to skin a mink. So I took it down to my local, the local trapper, old Orrin Harms. By the way, do you know Jim Mitchell? Yep. Used to be the trapper, uh, instru- or the head of, oh boy, I'm going to screw this up. Education for the ATA. Trapper education. That's, yep. Yeah. Jim Mitchell bought Orrin Harms' trap line. Okay. So anyway, I take this mink down to him and I said, how do I skin this? And he said, it, well, it wouldn't take me long to do it, but he said, I'll tell you how. And he, he showed me how to skin it. He said, I'll even give you a mink board to try it. You know, just, so he did. <clears throat> and I skinned it out the way I should. And you know, I got $90 for that mink. That was back in the 60s. But that's when all the ladies wore mink coats. That was before they ranched very them very much, too, right? Oh, true story. Yeah. Yeah. Ranch, ranching but hasn't done us day, any favors. That's in the day when furriers could match up colors in, yeah. in wild fur. Very few furriers can do that nowadays. But anyway, I damn near quit muskrat trapping just to, and targeted mink when I got 90 bucks for one mink. You know, and you're getting a buck eighty-four for a muskrat. Yeah, I know. I people tell me same stories about red fox getting seventy bucks for a red fox, and and you know they were they were millionaires when they got the seventy bucks for a red fox, and and now you know (laughs) seventy bucks would 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 buy you a couple dozen red fox. (laughs) Seven or eight dollars for one, you're happy. Yeah. (laughs) Back, Richard. So tell us then. If if people are looking for your uh, for your boards, uh, they're gonna find them at Fur Harvesters as well. Oh, you betcha! Yeah, okay. they're everything. And the, I guess the plus side of that is Mary works there every day, and she's the one that looks after that for me. Well, I, we've all known that Mary is the brains of the operation. We've known that for a long time. <laughs> oh. Boy, you know, before you did that podcast with her, I wish you had a talk to me. We could have got her. Do you know that I don't think she was ever trapping until I took her back oh, 2007 or 2008. She took the trapper's course here in Manitoba, got the second highest marks recorded in the province of Manitoba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I retook the, the uh, trapper's course here in, in Alberta when Sandy took hers. And she likes to brag to everybody that she was the only one that got 100% on the test. And then she looks at me because I got one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't win them all. No, no. Well, Mel, we are closing in on an hour here, and I've got stuff flashing and beeping at me here that says I got I got other places I got other things I got to do. It has been a pleasure talking with you, man. Okay. Well, I hope to see you at the Alberta Convention here one day soon. Yeah, it isn't going to happen this year, but it, it, it's supposed to next year. And uh, God, it'll be good good to get out traveling again, won't it? Damn square, will. <laughs> Besides that. 
Well, we don't know what the new rules with uh, with fur harvest is going to be like with like you know compared to North American fur auctions. Well, but they I'm had sure good... they're going to want some exposure. What's that? I said I think they're going to want some exposure of some kind. Well, the world changed a bunch. I mean, uh, the uh, every, so many people would would got a hold of me. And they said, you know, oh, it's the end of the world. Nanafa's gone. Now what? Now what? And what happened, though, is you know, we had one fur buyer in Alberta, and then you could send to the auctions, right? That was it. And now there's probably over well over a dozen fur buyers in Alberta. Plus, you can still send to the auction. Plus, there's a big fur buyer came up out of the, out of the States. Dave, Dave uh, Buick works for them. Um, yes. Yeah. And so, I mean... It breathed a whole bunch more, you know, new life back into uh, into furs and and made it more competitive, you know. So I, you know, I know that it was bad for what amounted to the Hudson Bay Company, which was NAFA and and its four hundred and some year history. It was bad to see it go under, um, you know. But sometimes those big companies are are all consuming, right? Uh, they just went overboard too fast, though. They, they, and you said in your exact words, uh, too many people put too much emphasis on that ranch raised mink. Yep. And that's what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's so but funny, I'm right? Gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you one more thing here, Richard. Competition is great. I'm not, I, you need competition wherever you go. But fur buyers, uh, you when you take your furs to a fur buyer one day and they're the only act in town, and the guy says, I'll give you $5 for your coyotes. And you say, well, hell with you. I can take them down the road 500 miles and get six bucks for them. What are you going to do? Because that's exactly what a fur buyer will do to you. Yep. Yep. No, no, no. I mean... And everybody understands if you sell to the fur buyer that your fur is still going to the auction, you know, just the fur buyer is trying to buy at a level where he can, he can make, make, make money. Uh, you know, he needs, instead of making a hundred dollars off a coyote, he needs to make $10 off of a hundred coyotes kind of thing. Right. And exactly. And, yep. But it's still going there. And, and I've talked with Mark Downey and many times about this. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's straightforward. I mean, the price is always set by the auction. Look at how the uh, prices that were being offered by the big fur buyers started, you know, dropping, 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 dropping until an auction went off again, right? When you know Mark couldn't get an auction to to go off, and you know, God bless them guys. That, what a what a tough gig that was, you know, not being able to get people here, and and you know, everybody was upset. Well, the, the top end fur wasn't selling. Well, are you going to buy a, a Ferrari sight unseen? You know what I mean? Like if you, you you might buy a might buy a, a Corolla daily driver sight unseen, but you're not going to buy a $200,000 car sight unseen. And I mean, that's, that's the, that's what those high-end coyotes not were, you know, that that's so right. I mean, it was, it was a tough gig for those guys. And I, and God bless them. And I, and I hope we're, we're past it and in, in, in life, life can straighten out here. But, but after that, the, this last election and the prices were up there and, and everything, well, then that reset the prices again, you know, we still, we have to have the, 
think that that competition like that auction to to reset those prices right well i can't do anything but agree with you there richard because uh that was a real balancing act that mark pulled off there yeah and he did a good job i think oh yeah because he could he couldn't get the buyers in i know a young fella down here lives at uh, niverville here in manitoba and he he went to that auction he was buying for 35 guys because he had to well they they put orders in with him and they wanted a certain kind of fur and he was he was buying for 35 different people wow but he knows his fur too well good well good anyway you look after those flashing lights there young feller all right, I'll get us out of here. And thank you very much, Mel. Okay, anytime. And thank you, everybody anytime. else, for watching. And uh, maybe we'll see you down the line. Take care.